And welcome back to the Two Preachers Podcast, episode 11, where we're just two preachers talking about raising pastors' kids who don't hate the church, trying to figure this thing out. Welcome back to gloomy, overcast, chilly, windy, but otherwise absolutely beautiful Grayson, Kentucky. My name is Ben James, pastor of the First Church of Christ in Grayson, Kentucky. I am accompanied here by my friends. Josh Schmidt, pastor of First Baptist Church, Grayson. And uh, Thomas McClure, the youth pastor here at First Church with Ben. The best producer in the game. Best hair in the game, for sure. Best, best hair in the game. And it's been mentioned twice now, the hair. <laughs> Just to clear up. Um, we are not outsourcing our production <laughs> now because I think there was a little bit of confusion last yeah. episode. Yeah, that's correct. There, there was maybe a question by one of our spouses. I won't say which one that if we were outsourcing our producer, but we're not. He's here in person in lovely Grayson with his lovely hair. Voluntarily, I have to say that right. Is that what I had? He was basically voluntold that he would be doing this. So, uh, but uh, it's good to be back with you guys. Our first episode of the new year. Uh, you come twenty some days into the month, so we are ahead of the game here. Uh, but uh, today, you know, we're going to be tackling a little bit of a subject that's um, that's kind of. I don't know if plague the church yeah. is the right terminology, but uh, it's definitely been a problem from generation to generation. But before we get to that, let's uh, let's talk about some ministry moments, uh, some things that's been happening, been going on. Uh, Thomas, you know, from the youth world, anything uh, in particular happened since our last episode that stands out to you that uh, you'd like to talk about ministry-wise? Uh, well, we started a new program. Um, something that I've been kind of passionate about is how we do or how we, how we frame our youth ministry um, anywhere that we are. Um, so uh, I kind of have this model that I use for myself, which is that we seek to engage with young people, uh, equip them with the truth, and then empower them to go out and spread the word. Um, so we have our Sunday night program, which is great for equipping, um, but we didn't have any of the others. So we started our Wednesday night program, which is the empower stuff. We're training up young leaders to hopefully do more within the church and we had that last night and it went it was great it just went really well we're trying to just train them how to read the bible and how to study it for themselves think for themselves what it means and they did a really good job that's awesome yeah it was fun i um from from my standpoint i think that um you know here a couple weeks ago uh we dealt with um a situation with a uh, young man who was very well-known, yeah. uh, well-respected, well-liked in our community, uh, was an athlete at the University of Kentucky, and he, um, you know, he was on scholarship D1 to play baseball for him. But last year, he walked onto the basketball team. And, and listen, when you are on the court here in the state of Kentucky for the Wildcats, that's, yeah. a, that's a big, big deal, yes. uh, especially coming from podunk carter county uh but uh, very unfortunate situation um you know he took his life uh, and um, that that really has um, caught the attention and, and raised some awareness of something that we probably should have been far more aware of uh, to begin with uh, mental health not only in our kids but just everyone in general uh, especially during a pandemic yeah uh, and one of the things that I felt very honored to do is I do a lot of uh, public address announcing for both uh, high school, middle school, and the Kentucky Christian University here. 
but I was asked to give voice uh, to a tribute during a basketball game, boys basketball game, before we started the contest, and uh, was able to give voice to a tribute um, to the young man, and it kind of reminded me just how important pastors, how important it is for us to gain the trust yeah. of the people in our community and and be there for them, be part of the community, and, and not necessarily be that one that's always going to be on some type of rant for the truth, you know, soapboxing, but just be there, be a trusted source. And that came as we were working out the details of how the kind of the tribute was going to go, the elements of it and where they were going to fall. We were having trouble kind of at the end of what we were going to do. And I had several people surrounding me, including the coach, athletic director, the person who was putting this tribute together as we were trying to figure it out. And they, they looked at me and they said, just say what you think needs to be said. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we trust you. And this is, this is in a public forum in the school system. Um, and, and that, to me, was a big honor to be able, number one, to give voice to a tribute to this young man, but then also to have the trust of some of the people of the community just to say, we trust you you know, to, to do well with this. So that's that, awesome. that meant a lot. There's a, uh, a void that's always in the community that's going to be filled by someone who's speaking in crisis situations. And as pastors, we have just a tremendous blessing and opportunity to step in and fill that void. And if we don't do that, someone else is going to. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's so important that we have credibility in our community like you're talking about so that we can speak truth in those situations and bring a gospel presence. Otherwise, somebody else is going to do it, and they're not going to bring that same foundation with them. Right. Amen. What about you, Pastor Josh? Ministry moment. Yeah, so this past week, we actually, we're doing something interesting, Ben. We are doing VBS. We started it back. Vacation Bible School is something all of, I'm sure our listeners are familiar with, a very uh, American, you know, evangelical thing that we do. We're being very careful, and we decided rather than doing a week straight of Vacation Bible School, we're going to break it up into a period of about five weeks on Wednesday nights, bringing kids, doing temperature checks, doing all of the, the precautions, having them wear masks and things like that. But we recognize that uh, the need for the gospel doesn't end during a pandemic. In Amen. fact, it's greater it's than heightened, ever. Yeah. And so we, we felt like this would be an awesome opportunity. Wednesday nights were uh, a time when we could set aside hey, we, we really need volunteers. Why don't you come in? We'll do all of the precautions to make sure that you're safe. So we've had a good number of people respond to that. We did our first one this uh, yesterday, and it, it went really, really well. So we're excited about that. Very good, very good. That's awesome. Yeah, it's uh, figuring out uh, you know the the how to answer the challenges of uh, because the easiest thing is just to shut everything down yeah, and say right. we'll figure it out whenever it opens up. But to go off that point of. The gospel, I don't know if, if it's accurate to say it's needed now more than ever. Sure. But it's I not, guarantee you it's needed as much. Yeah, it's now. not needed less. Exactly. Amen. Amen. All right. So let's uh, let's talk about what we're supposed to be talking about uh, here today. Josh, introduce the topic for us if you yeah, want. Yeah, so this, uh, this morning we're talking about raising pastor's kids who don't hate the church. Mm. And I think that we could really extend this to raising children in general who don't hate the church because this is something that every single parent is dealing with how, how to navigate our responsibility and also our privilege to be uh, engaged in church without it hurting our families and without it taking away time from our families. The reason I think, Ben, this is so important to us is because 
uh, we're both parents. You've mm-hmm. raised a child, uh, Rachel, who loves the church and has is now uh, in college. Uh, has just graduated, right, Ben? Getting ready to. This is her last semester. That's yeah. awesome. And so, um, and and loves the church and is involved in the church. And I've got a young son, Benjamin. Uh, and my my greatest fear is that because of my actions and my involvement with the church and my lack of engagement in our family, that he would walk away from the church and hate it. Uh, I'm a pastor's kid myself. My father was a pastor for about 35 years, and he was so careful to make sure that we recognize that our family was not lesser than our church family. It was actually a part of that. Mm-hmm. And so it's a, it's something that's passionate uh, that I'm passionate about. I know you are as well, Ben, because we have seen people, kids who've been raised in, in pastor's families and church families who've walked away with the church from the church without any desire to ever come back. And so that we think there are a lot of reasons that happen. And so we were uh, approaching this topic a couple of months ago as a potential um, uh, podcast episode, and we stumbled upon an article from Christianity Christianity Today written by Ed Stetzer, and we'll put the link to that in the show notes so that you can find that. But it really addressed this, and we felt it was helpful. So we want to speak to that article and then maybe give some application from our own lives about um, how it is that we have stewarded the responsibility that God's given us to be good parents and leading our, our children. So um, they're, they're gonna, this article that we're mentioning talks about five different ways um, that you can teach your kids to hate the church. We'll just go by them one by one and maybe make some comments about each one. Number one, the, the first one we saw on there was your kids are going to hate the church if you put your ministry before your family. Mm-hmm. And that's just family 101 yeah. I mean, we see that uh, unfortunately there are never a, a, there's never an end of things that we could be doing at the church there's right. a, it's a never yeah. ending list of responsibilities and they're all really good things but none of them are good at the expense of your family sacrificing your family at the altar so putting putting ministry before your family will certainly cause your kid to hate the church uh, a second one that is really uh, I experienced some as a kid is uh, telling them how much is expected of them as a pastor's kid. Uh, that's one that's that's challenging. Ben, I assume you've never done that as a as a as oh, a father no, and a never, pastor. Never. <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, it's challenging. You know, we we put all of this pressure on kids who just want to be kids, and that's a really quick way to teach them to hate the church. That they feel like there's this unfair burden or expectation on them. The third reason that you can teach your kids to hate the church is uh, telling them about church conflict as often as possible. This might be surprising to some of our listeners, but Christians actually fight. There are arguments. There are arguments. Must, must be a Baptist. You never thing. experienced that. <laughs> yeah, Thomas, do, do they fight overseas? I mean, does that happen over the pond? There, there's there's uh, never been any type that. of I mean, tension Ar- or troubles or anything. Right. I mean, Ireland's definitely not known for killing each other over <laughs> theology. That's not a problem. <laughs> you can't do that while we're taking a drink of the coffee, man. That's just that's not right. Yeah, I mean, we our our uh, denominations here in the United States are were birthed from the Protestant Reformation, where right. we kind of fought it out so this is uh this is who we are as people but that that's not just in a big sense it's also in the local sense of the church all of our listeners understand that there is conflict in the church because on this side of heaven we are sinful people that are still waging war against our flesh and if you constantly are bringing that home to your kids they're going to you're going to teach them to hate the church uh, one that's a really difficult one um, and speaks to holiness is if if we look godlier at church than we are mm. when we're at home, we're going to teach our kids to hate the church. And so we have to guard our hearts and guard our actions. 
Uh, and fifth and finally, um, we're going to teach our kids to hate the church when we act more like a live-in full-time pastor at home rather than a parent. Yeah. What a challenge to us, hmm. Ben. And so um, these are our five ways that we're going to teach our kids to hate the church. Yeah, I think, and, and with all five of these points, um, not necessarily um, four or five, uh, but especially the first three points, I think that there is... I think that there's a challenge there not to I, I think there's a middle ground you know number one we never need to put the ministry before our family we're called to our family before the church first we're called to God called to our family called to the church um, but I think that you know telling our kids how much is expected of them yeah. I think that there can be an unhealthy burden of weight that we can place on pastoral kids um, from that standpoint but i also think that there is a level of that that does become healthy where they realize sure uh, whether it's fair or unfair the microscope that they live under mm. because that is a reality that we cannot control so them understanding that their words may be scrutinized more than some one of their other classmates their actions may be scrutinized and it has a different perception because we as pastors as as ministry yeah. leaders we are looked at more closely sure. than other people in some regards um, and, and I think I saw this playing out in my daughter um, you know in this past year with you know the pandemic and all of the uh, the unrest and the social um, you know justice issues and everything coming to the forefront and exposure and revelation that that's come through the year of 2020 um, you know behavior wasn't the best in last year and it's not been the best so far this year within right. the church but there was so many times that she and I would talk and she was like I so wanted to post something say something or and she said but I re recognized number one it was out of emotion sure and then number two I recognized that there there was a different level of what people would be looking at yeah with with me being your daughter yeah you know what's so interesting about that is um, I don't think that happens overtly a lot by pastors for their family I don't think they're coming home a lot and saying, do you know the kind of pressure that's on us as a family? Do you know the expectation? I think a lot of that is subconscious that kids pick up. Yeah. Uh, I just know that from my own personal experience. My father, I had the most wonderful pastor father, but he and he never came home and was like, you can't act this way or this way or this way because people in the church are going to see it. I just naturally picked up on that because I felt that in the church. I remember as a kid, um, one time running in the sanctuary at the conclusion of our service and being yelled at by an older uh, a senior citizen Christian who yelled, you're the pastor's son, you can't run in the sanctuary. And I was thinking to myself, I'm just a kid, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. and, and I've seen people do that uh, in, in different facets of ministry. And so that's an unfair expectation. Thomas, I want to bring you in on this, man. So as I understand it, your father served in, has served in numerous capacities mm -hmm. at your church uh, back home. Did you ever feel that weight of burden in any sense that there was a, a, a greater expectation for you in um, that situation? It's, it's, it's hard to know. I mean, so especially when I was a teenager or when I was growing up, um, you know, I had a huge battle with depression when I was a teenager and mm -hmm. I was the goody two shoes in church, but I was a terror at home. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I was kind of doing that to myself. Sure. Um, my, I mean, there were multiple times where if I was acting up, um, 
there was one time I was actually, uh, I recall, I was supposed to play guitar with my dad at the front of church, uh, and we were driving to church, and we got into an argument uh, over something, pro- I was being dumb, probably, and he turned the car around and took me home, and I was like, you, you're not leaving worship with, you know, when all this stuff is going on, whatever, I can't remember exactly what was happening, but he sort of called it out, mm. not in sort of like a tut-tut sort of thing, but it's sort of like a you know, we are held to a higher standard and you have to understand that there are like, if you're leading or if you're wanting to have any role in a church, you got to step up. And it was, I mean, I hated it. And obviously I, you know, stormed into my room, slammed the door shut and acted up. But looking back on it, it was like a really important thing that I noticed. That's a great teaching moment. Um, But I don't know. I mean, my, my parents are in, are, were great. This is probably a later point, but they were exactly the same at home as they were at church, you know? Um, and that was huge, you know, for us. That that's been for having be having been been a pastor, being a pastor, being a father to an adult child now. As I look back, that's been my biggest challenge is being able to separate that pastor from a dad. Yeah. And when I need to do that, because you don't I'm called to be a pastor. So that's part of my DNA. So there are times that as a father, the pastor needs to bleed through. But I've also had moments that my daughter is, I can take you back to one car ride in particular. I can still take you to the place we were at and her, the look on her face when she said it, she, she was talking to me about something and she looked at me and, and not challenging, but just so very earnestly, she said, I would really like to talk to my dad at this point and wow. not my pastor. Wow. And that hit me and I thought, okay, this, you know, she's right. Uh, so that was the biggest that has been the biggest challenge for me is to find the moments that are right for me to be the pastor. Yeah. But then there's moments I have to separate that too. Sure. And you're talking really about role um, and, and how that works, how it is that we can be both a pastor and father and do both of those roles well. Thomas, I, th- I think, also is talking about a level of, of godliness, holiness that we have to uh, uh, keep up with. I think that number four, that living godlier at church or mm-hmm. looking godlier mm-hmm. at church rather than home. Um, if you're not transparent in both places, that's going to happen. So part of that starts with us not putting ourselves on a pedestal at church. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the church needs to know that you've made mistakes. The church needs to know that you're not infallible, that you're not perfect. If you have that perception in the church, the first time you come home and mess up, your your kids are going to go, what is happening? Mm-hmm. This is the guy that never does any of that. So that's a problem. There needs to be transparency on both ends. At the same time, it, it's so funny. I, I was thinking a couple of weeks ago, so many times that um, – you know, we, we've got a toddler. Getting him to church is a nightmare right now. <laughs> he fights every single second of it. I don't want to get in my car seat. I don't want to put on my coat. I don't want to do all that. Oftentimes, by the time we get to church, uh, there's real frustration. <laughs> there's real aggravation. And you do. You feel like you have to put on this plastic face and walk into the to the ministry center where we're having services yeah. and there's a there's a, 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 a switch that has to flip. Ooh, and yeah. That's tough, but at the same time, we have to be transparent. It's yep. okay to let people know we're not having a great day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so if if we're unwilling to do that, we're teaching our kids that we have to wear that face mm-hmm. when we go into church, and we'll teach them to hate the church quickly. Yeah. I Actually, that's something that Ben did recently. Uh, I can't remember exactly when. It was probably a couple of months ago of sort of just saying, hey, I've had a rough week. 
and things have come up in my life that I did not expect to have to deal with and all this kind of stuff and and it was amazing I mean obviously we're talking about having you know raising kids in the church and having them grow but I think that set a huge example not just for your own kids but for the church as a whole absolutely um, of because obviously pastors are held to a higher standard but whenever there was just this really good atmosphere in the room at that point of unity of like wow we all have bad weeks mm-hmm. you know yeah. and like I think humility is a really underrated trait within pastors yeah you know because we are just expected to have it all together and be perfect um, well that disqualifies me yeah I'm out, <laughs> I'm out man <laughs> so we're gonna have to rename the podcast now <laughs> <laughs> that's good so if these are the things that that we know that if we do we're gonna we're just teaching our kids to hate the church Ben from your experience what are some things that we can do to teach our, to guard ourselves against that and what are some things that we can do to um, to teach our kids to actually love the church I think that there has to be uh, some first fruits mm. when we start looking at our times. We'll teach that in our giving. Yeah, we'll teach that in relation to the church that uh, that God needs your first fruits, which is true. Uh, but there are times that I think that um, we have to look at ourselves and make sure that our family is getting the best time, the best of us in our time with them, rather than what's left over. Yeah, that's really good. I mean, that's just, um, and it's so easy so easy to do because like you said there's never a shortage of things for us to do i can you know there's there's never a day that i can leave this place and go well there is absolutely nothing else that i could possibly do right now uh, but just you know making sure that they don't get the leftovers of us yeah so i read this book recently called 15 things that i didn't learn in seminary hmm. southern seminary actually produced it colin hansen um it, excellent book for anybody in ministry check it out um, one of the chapters was about um, raising kids that don't hate the church. I think, I think, in fact, the chapter was called How Do I Keep My Kids From Hating the Church? And in it, the author talks about how there are two cliffs that we have to be really careful of as pastors. And one of those cliffs is that we have to make sure that we don't treat ministry like a job because it's not that. It's a calling. Mm-hmm. You know, We don't worship it, but we do recognize that God set us apart for it. And at the same time, we can't let ministry always infiltrate our family life. And that's what you're talking about there. Um, how many times that I have um, been with Benjamin and have gotten a, that urgent call? You can't see it. I did. Uh, bunny ears. It was yeah. it was quite impressive. Thank too. you, man. That may be the best bunny ear. It was t- kind of turned seen. sideways. Yeah. But, um, so many times I've gotten the crisis call and immediately been like, okay, I have to push aside what's happening with my family now and go do ministry. If we are constantly doing that, what we're doing is we're teaching our family that they don't deserve our best time, mm-hmm. which is what you're talking about. So we have to be so proactive in doing that. Yeah, agreed. What's what's something that you can? Another one I thought of there? Ben was um, along the same lines of we we can't have all the pressure on our kids. We've got to let them know that they're free of that unfair expectation mm-hmm. of, of birth. They're not different than any other kid. They're still going to make mistakes. They're still mm-hmm. growing up. They're still figuring this out. Um, and so it's important that we don't um, put those burdens or un- uh, unfair expectations on them. Um, they didn't choose ministry. Yeah. Ministry chose them. That, yeah. That's a part of it. They they didn't sign up for this. We had them and brought them into this world. Mm-hmm. And so now they're a part of our lives. And so they're still kids. We have to recognize that we still have to let them be kids. Yeah. Amen. Absolutely. Um, 
let's let's keep on the family okay. theme here and, and another thing um how how challenging is it not to bring our work home with us <laughs> it is the most challenging thing in the world and there, there's a good reason for that it's because we love ministry Amen. and it's because we recognize that the gospel is the power of god unto salvation for those who believe and so there's a never-ending thing list of things that we could do so that um, more people would hear the word of God, and so we we could teach our our congregants to love one another better. I mean, we love ministry, and so it's really hard not to bring that home. It's constantly on our mind. Again, this is a calling, not a career. So it's not something that we can just resign from and go do something else. This is something that God's placed on us. Yeah. It's so hard not to bring that. Home. And, and can we just? And this is not a uh, elevated statement but maybe just something that a practical statement that someone needs to hear. If you find yourself pastoring a church or in a ministry and you have the capability of being able to clock out and detach completely from ministry or church responsibility or pastoring, seek God and maybe reevaluate yep. the call. That's probably maybe, not maybe a good reevaluate, thing. Reevaluate yeah. where you are. Um, yeah. Because, like you said, it's a it's a calling, and it's something that you don't escape. You, yeah, you, you you don't. Well, you think about biblical shepherds. You know, we're called uh, the under shepherd to mm-hmm. the shepherd. We're we're the shepherd to our sheep. Uh, shepherds they stayed out in the field with their sheep. You know, what I mean, they they didn't get to go home and take a couple and and do whatever. They were with them all the time, and so in the same way, like they're constant. Our people are constantly on our mind. We're constantly thinking through. Um, how can we keep unity? How can we keep harmony? How can we move forward the mission of the church? And that's okay, but we also have to make sure that we're loving our family well. Yeah. Amen. I uh, just to chime in here as a someone who's not American. There's what I know. I know. I am so shocked. I know, but there's a there's something in the states that I've noticed. Um, it's it's a phrase that it's, it's called it's freedom. Like, it's like the <laughs> <laughs> oh, Ricky Bobby just played in my it's called freedom. Uh, but it's to me, it's the new moist, right? You know, the the word that everybody cringes at is the word work ethic, mm. right? Because um, it's especially with within amongst pastors, it's just this weird expectation of yeah, you have to work eighty hour weeks. Yeah, that's just how, that's just how it works, even if there's nothing to do. You have to be in your office and be ready and to like be there all the time. And for example, my father-in-law raised two fantastic children um, is an f- incredible pastor. Um, you know, both of his kids love the Lord, but has this mentality that he has to be working all the time. Mm. Um, and not only, I mean, that's, I mean, it's led to a lot of good fruit, but it's terrible for your own health. Yeah. Um, and potentially that can bleed over to your family as well. Now he's yeah. obviously, um, being blessed and that his family are all God-loving people, which is amazing, but it's a dangerous, dangerous game to play. You know, it is. You watch, you watch pastors struggle with it. My father, as he was dying of cancer, could barely get out of bed at times, and would go to church. And I would ask him, "Why are you doing this?" And he would say, "Because I can't do anything else." Mm-hmm. And so there was always this burden, and and it wasn't just a burden; it was also a blessing. This was something he got to do. But at the same time, he knew it was something that he was called to do. And so there is that, that balance weird, that you have to yeah. learn to walk. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, let's talk about some consistency. Um, the consistency and the importance of living out your faith both at work, at church, and at home. Kind of, again, finding that balance, what we were talking about earlier, not 
looking godlier at church than at home. What, yeah. what, does, what do you think consistency in that looks like? One of the most important things is discipleship. This is what I thought, that we have a responsibility to disciple our family. And it's not because, it's, it's not because we're their pastor. It's because we are there. You know, we've been in place there by God, that Ephesians 6 model mm-hmm. you're preaching to Ephesians right now, Ephesians 5 and 6. Like we've been placed there for that specific reason. And so um, it's not a, I, I wrote down, it's not a vocational responsibility. It's not because we're a pastor. It's a familial responsibility. Yeah. It's something we do that be, because God God has entrusted us with that. I'm hand up, Ben. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not always great at this. Oh, this is an area no. where, I, where I have struggled. Um, it, it's been hard for me and Lauren to figure out a time where we do a quiet time or we sit down and read the Bible together. And so more often, uh, this happens in the day-in, day-out conversations that we have, yeah. things like that, as opposed to a structured, regimented, we're going to sit down and, and put one hour together where we're going to talk about what our goal is as a family. We're going to talk about how that plays in with the mission of the church and what our responsibility is in that. And so it's so important that you are modeling that at home in the same way you're modeling it at church. Yeah. You cannot be someone different at home that you are uh, at the church. Um, along those lines, um, something I'm not good at, um, and, and the realization that hit me is whenever you do devotion, quiet time, scripture reading, praying together, something of that nature with your family, not only your children, but also your spouse, um, there was always a hesitation, still is to some degree, with both my wife and my daughter to do that with me because they're intimidated because they feel like you're you're the pastor. Yeah. I don't want to think yeah, something exactly. wrong, say something wrong, be theologically, and I, you know, and and that that really hit me hard at, at one point. I'm just going, okay, I uh, I'm apparently not separating the pastor and the husband mm. slash dad yeah. thing here. So that's yeah. challenging. Can I make a pivot here and ask you guys a question? So. Um, we uh, with Benjamin every night. We we read. Uh, we've got a catechism that he does. We read a couple of biblical uh, storybooks at his, that are age specific to him, and we pray. So it's the it's the three of us in our bedroom. I don't know if I brought this up before. So it's me, Benjamin, and Lauren in our bedroom, and our dog. We have a a big basset hound named Loki who comes in and sits next to us at the bed, and so we rotate who prays every night. Benjamin prays one night, Lauren prays one night, I pray one night. Like a month ago, Benjamin was like, it's Loki's turn to pray, our basset hound. So we couldn't convince him that Loki, you know, that's not really what he does. And so in a moment of like earnest, we're giving up, uh, I might have pantomimed prayer through Loki's (laughs) mouth so that Benjamin would accept it. And now I'm caught in this vicious cycle of Loki's in the rotation. And so once every four days, my dog is praying for, you know, all of the things that are going on in our house. And Benjamin's got his eyes closed. And I'm having to, like, grab the dog's mouth and, like, pray in a little. You're Loki. honing those ventriloquism skills, huh? You guys, is this bad? Like, I mean, <laughs> am I failing as a parent? I mean, I, I feel like parenting by deception is pretty much all that we do. But this seems... Yeah, it's a smoke like and mirror show. Blasphemy. I need some help on this <laughs> I, one. I, I think that there will be a time that uh, you will need to grow out of that yes. with your son. <laughs> when he's 18. When that whole myth comes crashing down. <laughs> right. I just wanted to check on that. I feel better after I ask you about that. Okay. Yeah, it's like good. when the youth pastor comes in and brings their dog to the youth program, and then your son will be like, oh, yeah, he can pray. <laughs> and everyone else is going to be like, uh. <laughs> Maybe you could have Corey's beard pray. 
Yeah, I don't think so. I don't want him in my home. Okay, good good call <laughs> out of you. Good call. Yeah. Good call. All right, so let's. Uh, that that sounds like some fun stuff, right there. Let's talk about some fun things. That's a good segue uh, because I. That's yeah. a perfect segue. I think that uh, it's critically important yeah. that we can do just simple fun things with our family. Yeah. What 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 some ideas? What do you what, what do you think? Uh, fun stuff. That's a great question. I don't even really know what fun is anymore. <laughs> fun. What is this fun We're, you speak uh, fun of? Fun for us is surviving right now. No, we have a lot of uh, stuff that we do. There's uh, we like to take trips. Mm-hmm. Uh, Benjamin really likes to just sit in his car seat and look out the window, and so we'll drive around a lot. We we really like going. There's an indoor uh, amusement park in Lexington called yeah. Malibu Jacks. Yeah. Benjamin's obsessed with. There's this great toddler area, but just spending time together is so vitally important. Like um, I feel that burden. Last night I I got in late, and I'm talking late for us. Ten o'clock at that time. Benjamin was still awake as a two-year-old waiting on his daddy to get mm-hmm. home. And then I had to leave as soon as he you know, got back in bed. So anyway, I feel that burden. So uh, anything that you can do, take him to the lake, take him to uh, – we do all that stuff right now. Yeah. we. Uh, one of the things that Rachel and I have always done is – and we, we still – you know, she's 21 years old and still asks me from time to time, which causes me to smile, to do the, the daddy-daughter date kind of thing. Very cool. We, we've always made a, made a priority to do that. Uh, that's where I learned of her carnivore tendencies. At a very young age, she ordered a 16-ounce sirloin steak, medium rare, and it was the proudest dad moment I had. She ate every bite of it. But yeah. uh, we do that. Sports is a big thing for yeah. us. Uh, you know, Rachel, in a lot of ways, is me in female form, uh, you know, 20-some years younger. Um, but we like the same sports teams, you know, Chicago Cubs, uh, Kansas City Chiefs. Ugh. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. How, how are those Reds and Bengals doing? Okay, uh, so <laughs> um, I don't even know who these people are. So. <laughs> but but we have that in common. So that, I mean, just come up with come up with things, and like you said, it doesn't have to be earth shattering, because your kids are going to grow up and they're going to remember yeah. the most impactful moments being the simplistic things that you may not even remember doing. Absolutely, with them is what's going to stand out to them. Absolutely, most. I have so many of those memories of my dad when. It, it was so important for him to just make time for us. And it didn't have to be something crazy. It was just spending time with him. It's very important. Yeah, agreed. Thomas, you got some? Yeah, I mean, so my as my dad was is very involved in church stuff, but his background is outdoor education. So, you know, he's involved in the sports council in Ireland and organizes, like, you know, the Olympic people and, you know, everything. So, I mean, there's photos of me. We were always out in canoes and boats before I could walk. Like He was in the Alps. Ben likes to joke. I talk about the Alps quite a lot. It's always cool you talking go. about the Alps. <laughs> but anyhow, I'm sorry. Yeah, so, I mean, it was for us, it was always outdoor stuff, especially when I was a kid. And we were always out walking. We never really watched TV. The only time I ever watched TV was when I got up at like 6 a.m. on a Saturday morning for cartoons on TV, you know. But we'd always go out and have a lot of fun. So, I mean, you know, here in Grayson, you know, we have the lake, you know, and it's so easy to just go for a walk or, yeah. you know, and... I think we underestimate the importance of just getting outside. Very cool. You know, yeah. rather than just sitting in front of a TV all day, every yes. day, and watching your favorite movies, which can be great as well. And but uh, and I have to remind myself of that. But yeah, just getting outside was a huge thing for us. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we would you know we, we would love to hear your all's idea. Leave them on our Facebook page. We've got a Twitter page. You can email us to preacherspodcast at gmail dot com. We'd love to hear some of your ideas. Uh, pastors of how uh, you uh, 
very intentionally do things with your children or uh, things that we've talked about, things we've missed to help them not hate the church, grow up to hate the church. Um, and we have yet to figure out a really good way to do this, but I think our listeners clamor for this portion of our episode, yeah. every new episode. Some of them have already skipped 30 minutes just to get to this moment. Yes, I agree. So uh, are, are we ready? Yeah. Gentlemen, I don't think Thomas has a clue what we're talking I'm about. I'm so ready. Here. I'm ready. Ready? Are yes. you sure? Yes. Segway music! That was so confusing to you, wasn't it? I had absolutely no idea what was about to happen, but I was pleasantly surprised. You made your day, did it? <laughs> you made your day. Yeah. Good way to start the morning. <laughs> All right, closing topic. Yeah, so I've got this one. I want to jump in. I want to ask you guys a question. I was thinking through this this week. When social distancing requirements, man, whatever mandates, are lifted, what's the very first thing that you're going to do that you can't do right now? So are we talking about social distancing in and of itself? Make it make it whatever you want. Like the when when COVID is has gone the way of the dinosaur and is no more, what's your what's your move gonna be? Church potluck dinner. Oh man. Oh. Yes. No question. Yeah. I was gonna say kiss you on the mouth, but now I'm thinking the potluck. Yeah. Probably the potluck. I, I'm going to highly <laughs> recommend the potluck. I want, <laughs> I want the potluck. A pro move on the potluck. Let me guys let me give you guys a heads up on this. You take your napkin, put your fork, your spoon, and your knife in the napkin. You wrap your napkin up. You put it in your pocket. Then you have a hand for dessert plate and regular Freeze plate. A hand. That yeah. sounds that sounds like a um, Baptist bylaw. It that, is. Uh, yeah, it's that, in the Baptist cons- faith, faith and message. Yeah, you've, you've, you've consumed some casseroles. You also day, you? you take a can of pop. Maybe two if you're feeling crazy. One in each pocket. One trip. It's the greatest thing ever. Yeah, it's beautiful. Huh? Yeah. Thomas, yeah. what are you going to do when COVID's gone? Uh, I can't wait to go back to the theater with loads of people. Oh, man, you know, group too. trips to the theater. Baptist potluck in the theater. Let's do that. Let's Agreed. make it happen. Let's do it. Make it happen, Kaova. Make it happen. <laughs> it could be your highest grossing day on record if you do that. Yeah. yeah. Let me uh, encourage the listeners to do us a favor. So we'd love to get this podcast out and let more people listen to it. We hope it's a blessing to them. So why don't you go to our the podcast feed on Apple and yeah. give us a five-star review. Five. Smash that like button. Smash it. Don't do four stars. Don't do three stars. We don't need negativity. Um, There's you, plenty you of that out there. Smash that elsewhere. like button, and um, we would really appreciate that. Thomas, any closing thoughts? Uh, no, I think it was great. I, I think it's a really important topic. I'm really glad that we covered it. Um, I mean, you could literally talk forever on this sort of thing. Yeah. You know? He spoke very highly of this. I think we'll pay him this time. Mm. Oh, Double don't, what don't, you earned last time. Who's, <laughs> who's paying for that? How does that work? Um, First Church of Christ? I, I think yeah. Corey Jones. Corey Jones. I like it. Bradley Cotton. Mm. Bradley he, Cotton. He's no doubt listening. No, no doubt. He's going to try to work his way into one of these Oak podcasts. Grove, put that into the budget line right now. <laughs> Production for Two Preachers Podcast. All right, guys. We love you. Have a great day.